When is enough data, enough data? Hey, it's Nikki Llewellyn and you're on Gut Plus Science. This podcast is on a mission to increase engagement at work. And on this show, we equip CEOs and people first leaders of all levels to make impact. Let's get to it. Oh boy, Kevin Campbell and I are about to get as nerdy as I can get on this episode, and it ties right into why the show has science in the name. Attention people first leaders, get clear on what it means to be people first and then operationalize that. And data gives you the gift of focus. Here's Kevin to elaborate. Kevin, welcome to Gut Plus Science. We're diving into data and the important role it plays in a leader's decision-making on this episode today. Let's level set with some definitions and your come from first. So Kevin, we're going to be referring to EX and CX. Let's have you define those and then tell us why those are important for leaders to examine or keep top of mind. Yeah. So EX is employee experience and CX is customer experience. And experience is really talking about all those things that happen within an organization for your customers, for your employees, that can only be tracked through experiential data, not just operational data, but the subjective experience that someone has of being an employee or a customer of your organization. And the reason this is important for business leaders to understand and examine is because our experiences aren't just a list of bullet points of what actually happened. It's the way that people felt as a result of that interaction. So if you run a cafe and I walk into your cafe and I'm greeted with a warm smile and a happy employee who knows my order knows a little bit about my life before I even walk in there, and I feel like I have rapport with that person, you're not tracking that experience with the number of coffees that I've purchased or the turnover or attention rate of your employees. It's that piece that is the human component of how I feel as a customer and how your employee feels about me and about that workplace when I walk through the door. And get this, Big topic for business leaders these days is the economy, inflation, right? And it makes it so that the things that non-people-oriented business leaders, the things that they tend to struggle with, the things that they tend to compete on, things like price and wages, if you can't compete on price and you can't compete on wages, the only thing that you can compete with or compete on is experience is the experience of how your employees feel and the experience of how your customers feel interacting with your company and your brand. So good and so much to dig in on. I do want to mention really quick, you were explaining or giving an example of experience and walking into a place. So I go to a bank, banking client of a very large bank. There's branches all over the place. I very rarely go into a bank branch. I could not get mobile banking to work the other day. So I go into this local branch. I go to like one of three that are close by, you know, where I live and work. And I go inside and I literally walk in the door and the gentleman says, oh, hi, Nikki. And I was like, I mean, I w- it was like the craziest thing. I'm like, what kind of technology do they have in here? And he's like, no, I remember when you came in to open your account. Don't you do something with podcasting? I was like, what? 
I will, will not be going to any other bank branch. I don't even go into bank branches that often, but actually, now that I'm thinking this, like I need to write a note to someone that says how amazing that was. And this gentleman's name is Derek. And I'm like, shout out to Derek in case you listen to this podcast because it was absolutely incredible. So that is a perfect example of what this is all about. Now, there's a good chance that that was a completely organic interaction, but there's also a chance that it was contrived. And I mean that in a good way, right? I'll give you another example of an amazing customer experience, right? A VP I know with Qualtrics went to Disneyland with his, his two daughters, and they had been just wishing to go on a particular ride for months and months and months and months. They get in line for the ride and they realize that one of his daughters is not tall enough to ride the ride. So the employee is faced with a dilemma, right? You can't sacrifice safety for any reason. So you can't let the daughter go on the ride. But obviously, that's going to jeopardize their experience of what it's like to be at this theme park. So what the employee does is he lets the dad and the other daughter go on the ride. But then he takes the mom and the other daughter aside, lets her pick out any stuffed animal that she wants for free, gives her a stuffed animal, and then gives her a front-of-the-line pass so that when they come back, she'll be able to skip the line and go to the front when she's tall enough to ride. Oh, that is so cool. That is just so awesome. Employee ownership in that, like taking ownership to solve the problem in the best way. So great. The thing that a lot of people don't realize is that all of this can be done using data that you have on the experiential component of what it's like to be an employee or what it's like to be a customer of that organization right? They probably saw a data point somewhere along the line that showed that one of the biggest detractors in the customer experience was not being able to ride a ride. And employees in turn have a horrible employee experience when they have to be the bad guy. But if you can turn that around and take that feedback from that frontline employee and incorporate it into a way of improving the experience for everyone, now not only do you have a more engaged customer, you have an employee that's more likely to stay, more likely to say great things about your brand, and even more likely to give extra discretionary effort toward their work because that effort and those suggestions and that extra piece of themselves that's not required just to stay employed is something that's actually taken into account and maximized for the benefit of everyone. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Kevin, we're honing this episode around data within EX and CX. And I'd love for you to elaborate on why we are titling this conversation, When is Enough Data Enough Data? Well, a lot of times you'll find just a simple correlation within data. And you have people that are more, and I, you know, as a, an employee experience scientist, half people analytics and half consultant. So I know enough and I play in the statistics world enough to be dangerous but I'm much more action-oriented. And you know, people with a, a much more rigorous data science background will tell you and often can't just, can't make big business decisions off of a simple correlation. And I would say, maybe you can. There are instances where you can actually create a much better experience and do that in a low-risk, high-reward way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so we all know that correlation is not the same as causation. How can leaders make business decisions based on simple correlations? It's based on two things. The first is 
how confident you are that you're going to see this thing happen again in the future. And, and part of that comes down to understanding whether or not this is something that occurs again and again in real life and whether or not you believe it will, will happen again, right? If you can see the clarity of, of causality, right? So if there's no other rival explanation for what you see happening, then there's probably a good chance that the two things are, are linked, right? So if you see that when employees recognize people by name, customers are more likely to recommend your brand and say that they won't switch. There might be other things that are happening there, but there's nothing wrong with encouraging your employees to call out people by name. So it's a really low risk opportunity to act on the data without necessarily having a high cost associated with it. And the upside is huge, right? I'll give you another example of recognizing somebody by name, how you could do that in a a high-risk way that might still also yield you the same reward if you were to invest, as you pointed out, in some sort of technology that recognizes uh, customers by name when they walk to the door, right? Like that, who knows how much that would cost? You might have to have some sort of RFID tag that recognizes the person's phone and that alerts the employee. So that would be, you know, if you were to take that action based upon a simple correlation, I wouldn't recommend that because there's a huge potential fallback from the investment that you would have to make. But encouraging people to know people's names is free. Recognizing employees is free. Involving employees in the process of improving the customer experience is free. Recognizing employees with specific, timely, actionable recognition on what they did in the moment to make a customer happy is free, right? So I think a lot of times this feeling that you have to know exactly the causal relationship, you have to pinpoint the exact magnitude of the variable and use all these sophisticated multivariate approaches to time series regressions which are beautiful, right? If you're trying to, I'm not against any of those things. I use all of those things in my work. If you want to know exactly how to price your product based upon historical data, if you want to make predictions about the future based upon current events, all of those techniques are really important. But if you want to encourage frontline workers and employees to take action, it's those simple, understandable connections between you do X, and we tend to see why. How can we do more of X? What would X look like in a practical way for our frontline people? So good. Oh gosh, I've got so many different angles of ways that we can go. But one thing I want to kind of anchor in is gut plus science. The name comes from the importance that I see in leaders having their gut and heart or their experiences and their care mixed with science and data to lead and make decisions, okay? So we're talking a lot today on digging into the data side, which is so much of what you do and your knowledge and what Qualtrics does, which we'll learn a little bit more about in a minute. How do you suggest the best way to use data to help leaders be people first in their efforts? I love that. I think the the first question that you have to ask yourself is what does it mean To me, what does it mean to us? What does it mean to our brand to be people first? And then 
operationalizing that in a way that you can measure the experience. And one of my, my biggest causes, my biggest mission in life is to help people understand that some of these things that we think of as soft measures, like people first or experience, can be measured in a quantifiable way. That you can, you can measure things like happiness. You can measure things like well-being. You can measure things like engagement. And you can measure things like being people first. So what does people first mean to you? Does people first mean that you want to have an inclusive organization where people feel like they belong? Does it mean you have a place where people give extra discretionary effort toward their work? Is it a place where people trust their leaders? What are the the three to five main outcomes that you want to see in your people? And then think about what do you think will lead to those outcomes? Of all the things, because there's a million ways to be people first. We talked about this a little bit before we started, right? Like, And what the data can do for you is give you the gift of focus, right? So is the thing that will make your people more engaged and have higher well-being and feel more included with their, their coworkers? Is it going to be painting the facility? Is it going to be having nicer bathrooms? Is it going to be more money? Is it going to be more time off? Is it going to be more recognition? Think about all the things that you can do, that you're willing to do to create a more people-first environment. Measure, whether identify and define and articulate what it means to be people-first. And then ask, you know, are you engaged? Are you feeling over and above in terms of, of inclusion, belonging, well-being? And then test whether or not these actions that you can take which of those have the highest correlation with the outcome that you're looking for? Because I might think it's all about money. Another colleague might think it's all about benefits. Another colleague might think it's all about the workplace experience, the tools and equipment they have. Somebody else might think it's all about the manager. But the same way you and I have different drivers of what gets us up in the morning and what makes us want to do our jobs and what brings fulfillment to us, your workforce is going to have a different set of drivers than another workforce. And when you are able to draw those correlations, you're able to answer the question for yourself of all the things that you could possibly do, what's most likely to get you a good return on your investment? The investment of time, the investment of resources, and give you the best return on acting. So Kevin, this might be out of 150 or 170 or whatever episodes we've ever done, This is the most off script we may ever be. So for those of you that are listening right now, I'm about to take Kevin down a path that we did not prepare for. So Kevin, you can like reel me back and then talk about some of the things that you want to make sure that we're uh, given takeaways. But okay, so with all of what you're saying, I'm like, okay, there's listeners, they're here because they're working on people first initiatives. And I love what you said around, you have to define what people first is, then operationalize that and break that down into metrics. And then you said, that data then gives you the gift of focus. Okay. So, so far I'm, I'm on point. I love that. Now let's look at two sides of the coin. One side is a leader that doesn't lead with data. Okay. So they don't, they don't have much data in their life. They don't have a dashboard, right? So they don't have the gift of focus. And what happens is that leader is probably scattered, unfocused, kind of like shiny object. And the ripple effect 
is so strong throughout the organization because if the leader is that way, then everyone else is feeling that, right? And, and I'm sure you can agree, right? The opposite side is, I'm gonna have you speak into these things. The opposite side is too much data. Someone that just looks at the data until it's perfectly there or we've got these numbers figured out, then I'm not gonna act. I'm just gonna keep digging on the data and then there's not action to move the organization forward. Would you agree with both sides of these? Absolutely. Okay, and I don't know if maybe you wanna comment on that before we start to come into this center point and we talk about really, we want to be in this, the gut plus science, you know, area and how we really bring that to life. And then how, you know, your insights or what Qualtrics does helps you to live in that middle section, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it all comes down to, in many ways, the mindset. Mm-hmm. And part of that mindset is that the point of collecting data is to act on it, mm-hmm. right? It's not scores on a test. It's the speedometer on your car. It's information that you use to adjust your behavior. It's a Fitbit. I like to use the Fitbit analogy, right? You know how many steps you're taking. And part of it is, is, here's another way of looking at it, is if you're thinking about your people-first outcomes through the lens of health, they're your KPIs, they're your outcomes. So what are different metrics that you might use for your health? Well. You might have your cholesterol, you might have your resting heart rate, you might have your BMI, right? But you can't just will yourself into having better cholesterol numbers. You can't just will yourself into having better BMI. You can't just will yourself into having better blood pressure. All of those outcome metrics are driven by things like meditation, exercise, diet, social connection, right? And what data in the workforce will allow you to do, which I would love to have as, a, as just a, a person, <laughs> would be able to tell you, if you want to improve your cholesterol, is it going to be diet, exercise, meditation, or social connection? Of these things that you're willing to do, which one is going to yield you the best bang for your buck in terms of the actions that you could take? Now get this, we all know that we should be meditating, watching our diet, exercising, having great social connections. So the recommendation is to do the things that you ought to be doing anyway, but what the data tells you is of all the things that you could be doing and all the things that you should be doing, which one is most likely to help you move the needle mm-hmm. in the quickest amount of time with the least amount of effort? So good. You said something as you began talking just a, a few minutes ago that tied this together that I was like, oh, that's the light bulb. Is the title of our conversation is when is enough data enough data? And the reason for collecting data is to act on it. So if we can understand what are these key drivers breaking down, okay, let's understand what is people first to us. Operationalizing it means what we're saying about like meditation and eating right and whatever. What are those recipe pieces? And then leveraging that data to then collect feedback that we act on to enhance those areas, right? So, man, so good. So now I want you to talk about the unity of data coming together to affect CX and EX at the same time or running parallel versus siloed. And that, you know, going back to what's the Qualtrics difference is that we created, Qualtrics created 
the experience management category, right? Just to say, like, how do we measure experiences? And we did that in a holistic way, right? So we're the number one when it comes to customer experience, the highest rated by Forrester and Gartner when it comes to things like employee experience. We also measure product and brand experience. And all of these things come together in a way the whole is greater than the sum of its requisite parts. The type of people that are attracted to Qualtrics and this idea of connecting customer experience and employee experience are very much the listeners that you have, right? It's either people-oriented or culturally-oriented business leaders or business-minded HR leaders. So at a certain point when a business person comes to the understanding that in order to create the kind of customer experiences they want, they have to involve their people and they have to think about their culture and their workplace experience in order to make those things happen. And then there are HR folks who understand that the employee experience is important, but they get to a point in their career where they realize that they can't have the same seat at the table until they're bringing in that that business-mindedness which often the, the strongest connection is the customer experience. And that's, those are the, the particular personas that make the most out of this data and really are able to propel their careers and their business when they can bring these things together in an actionable way. You know, the other thing that I was thinking about is if we took a step back and we looked at the other titles that we could vision for this conversation, it's so much around how to scale like healthy scalability path. A healthy scalability path is what we're talking about. And so many people miss the mark, I think, because they're on too much on this side or too much on this side. And how do we come to the middle where we're running parallel on our data efforts that affect our internal and external and really have a dashboard on the key metrics enough to going back to like make decisions to move the needle. Yeah, great example. Yeah, I mean, I was I'm working with a, a quick service restaurant chain, and I was speaking with the the VP of Learning and Development, and the chain has goals to move from two thousand locations to four thousand locations in eighteen months. And right now, only fifty percent of their restaurant leaders, the head managers of the restaurant at the ground level, feel completely enabled to do their job. So if you're going to double the amount of locations that you have, what's going to be the impact, the long tail impact on your customer experience if you're not making investments into those frontline leaders? And this is, this is something that that leader, that that VP can point to and build a very strong business case for why what he's doing is important and why the investment in people is going to be important in order to meet that business goal. So good. Well, thank you for sharing so many examples and just insights today. I want to make sure that I'm not missing anything since we kind of went off script as I got really excited about the vision of what we could talk about today and kind of switch gears. I really love this conversation, but are there any other, as we're encouraging leaders to lead with data and not have paralysis by analysis, too much data, any other just key best practices or make sure that you're not doing this that you want to mention before we talk a little bit more about Qualtrics? I love that question. Thank you. There's some things that you just never want to do with the data. There's a law in social science called Campbell's Law, not mine, not Kevin Campbell, not me. It's Don Campbell. But it says that anytime a metric 
becomes the thing that you're using to measure success, the higher the likelihood that that metric is going to be corrupted. So you don't want to start paying managers bonuses for their employee feedback because that's when they're going to start encouraging all of their employees to give positive feedback just for the sake of getting their bonus. Same thing with with customer experience. You do want to look at the numbers. You want to recognize people based upon those numbers. You want to incent people based upon those numbers. But you don't want to create a formula where if you get a five out of five, you get a bonus. Because that's when you have the customer service person on the other end of the line saying, hey, you know, I'm really judged based upon those metrics. When I turn you over to the survey, please give me a five out of five, right? So you don't want to have that happening because you want to have good data. You also don't want to start scripting people on how to behave based upon the data. So that gentleman that greeted you by name at the bank branch, it's great to encourage people to do that, but it has to be authentic and genuine and real. You don't want to start giving people specific scripts to follow because then they come across as robots and it's not going to encourage the kind of experiences that you really want to have. And you want to really help people think beyond the data and get into what's the real experience that people are having and how can we create more of that? You know what I just wrote down? How do we better use data to accelerate our meaningful impact or our meaningful touches that we make? I was thinking that for our own team. How could we do that better? So gosh, there's just so much in this that has been incredible. I'd love for you to just share a little bit about Qualtrics for those that maybe don't know of the scope. I know you mentioned it now, but what is Qualtrics and what is the role that you have at Qualtrics and how might some of our listeners want to continue the conversation? Yeah. So Qualtrics is the leader in experience management, product experience, brand experience, primarily customer and employee experience, and especially connecting the dots between those two. And my role is as an employee experience scientist. So I have a background in organizational psychology and consulting in the employee experience space. So my role is to identify and close gaps within the employee experience between where you are and where you want to be and connecting that back to your business outcomes and your customer experience outcomes. So good. Awesome. Well, we're going to link in the show notes to Qualtrics and make sure that we link to you as well. We're going to take a quick break before we wrap up with getting to know you, the personal side of you, Kevin, just a little bit more. We're going to take a quick break here from our sponsor and we'll be right back. If you're leading with a people-first mindset, which most likely you are because you're listening to Gut Plus Science, join People Forward Network, the largest community of humans on a shared mission to lead meaningful work. You can find us at peopleforwardnetwork.com or follow People Forward Network on LinkedIn. All right, we're back on Gut Plus Science with Kevin Campbell having a great conversation around data and really how as a people-first leader to incorporate data into decision-making and moving the needle. It's been awesome. Really love this. Lots of key takeaways that we're going to have from this episode. But right now we're focused on our lightning round so we can get to learn a little bit more about the personal side of Kevin. All right. So first question for you, Kevin, is favorite book of all time or a favorite recent read? I'll give you both. My favorite book of all time is Flow by a gentleman with a very hard to pronounce name of Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. He was actually one of my professors in graduate school and It's a great book. It's all about being completely absorbed in what you're doing. And it it really changed my life. My favorite recent read is Upstream by a gentleman named Dan Heath. Him and his brother have, have written several really good books, but Upstream is all about how to solve problems 
before they happen. And I highly recommend that for anybody interested in customer experience or employee experience. I love the correlation between the two books. So flow, and then it's like, but upstream is kind of the opposite. However, if you get ahead of like going upstream, then you're in flow. I never thought about that flowing upstream. Hey, yeah, maybe that's, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I have like some teachings that I always talk about. How do we always stay in flow and not paddle upstream? So when you said those, I was like, oh my gosh, that totally goes with something that I say all the time, but just fascinating how it comes together. How about your favorite hobby when you're not working? Well, I have, I have an eight month old daughter. So spending time with her, I don't know if you'd consider that a a hobby, but it is something that takes up a, a good chunk of my time. Absolutely. Spending time with my wife. We love to go hiking and just exploring nature whitewater rafting, camping. Those are are things that I really enjoy doing. Awesome. Yeah. And how about a favorite vacation spot? Well, it's top of mind because I was there just yesterday, but Glen Ivy Hot Springs. Oh, It's near Corona, California. It's in the Temescal Valley and it was great. You know, it's just a Bellini by the pool with uh, mud baths and massages and mineral water. And yeah, it was a great experience. And one of my favorite easy sort of staycations because it's only about an hour away from us. So it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. 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 And Kevin, how can listeners connect with you after the show today? LinkedIn is the best way. I'm finding that I'm not as easy to find as I would like to be, but it's Kevin G. Campbell. And then I, one of my designations is XMP, so Experience Management Professional. So if you look for Kevin G. Campbell, XMP on LinkedIn, find me, connect with me. Uh, I accept pretty much all invitations. All right. I love this episode. It so illustrates why we... I've said this like five times, but it so illustrates why we have the name Gut Plus Science. And Kevin, thank you so much for being a guest and inspiring us. And I hope to be friends for a long time and Qualtrics to somehow partner with People Forward Network. Just putting that out there. Love what you guys are doing. Takeaways. Truth you can act on. Here we go. Number one, experience is the outcome of how people feel from what our business creates. So we talked about customer experience, employee experience, and it's how people feel when they interact with our organization, which then fuels the results that come. So if you go back to like teachings from my wonderful coach, Tommy Richardson, it's thoughts equals feelings equal action equal results. And it's those feelings that we have around a business impacts the results and how we interact with those businesses and how we do business or come back or whatever. So just aligning on that to make sure that we are very clear on the experience that we're creating. Okay, number two, define what it means to be people first and then operationalize that and break down the leading indicators and have those KPIs as your metrics to really be your dashboard in leading with a hybrid of your heart and your gut mixed with the numbers. I love that Kevin shared this other point that data gives the gift of focus. Heck yes. I love to be able to open my CRM and see exactly where we are in each of our stages to be able to know, you know, what's coming in, what we're working on servicing this month. And it just every time that I can open, we use monday.com. Every time that I open that and just get a feel when it's updated, I'm like, just have peace. All right, here we go with our day. Otherwise, as I shared, there's so much like shining object or scattered feeling when you don't have that data. So data gives the gift of focus. And then finally, 
the reason for collecting data is to act on it. Love that. All right, guys, hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll probably have Kevin back in the future for sure. See ya. We just left the world a little bit better. Now go do something with it.